Hey, Becky, how are you? Welcome back. Um, so listeners, welcome to the Rainbow Umbrella podcast. And thank you for tuning in with Becky, who has just graced us with her presence after being away for eight weeks on the road, the traveler herself. And um, always looking well, Becky. She's back home for five minutes. And I have seen Facebook pictures of Becky paddleboarding, uh, diving. She's been doing everything. Uh, how are you doing? I'm really good. It's a bit peculiar to be back in four walls, but my van needs a little bit of TLC. So I arrived back late last night and I'm here until, what day are we today? It's Tuesday. So I'm off again Friday morning. It's, it's well for some of don't even know the day of the no, week. Day, time, <laughs> it's all irrelevant, isn't it? But how are you? How are you? Are you good? I am all good. Thank you very much. I have no idea where the summer went. <laughs> I have been booking holidays, so I have a few things coming up and booked and I just can't wait to get away. Um, but I kind of need a two week. I, I need full two weeks of stop and that hasn't happened. But you've had a lot going on. So absolutely. That, that time to regenerate is so important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Now, Becky has her hair straight, so she's gone all straight on us today. Huh? <laughs> Couldn't help it, Becky, I had to say it. I'm curly at heart. I'm curly at heart. Um, So, listeners, thank you for listening in to our podcasts and thank you for rating us and continue to rate us as well. Um, We have an amazing guest on our show today. Becky, would you like to introduce Cajun? certainly do, yes, Cajun. Now, um, I I mentioned last time um, I went to the fabulous Unity Fest uh, where I was crewing and... um, met loads of wonderful people and a few of us sort of didn't want to go home so we sort of had a a little group about five of us going off in our camper vans to a a couple of other spots to just sort of de-festivalize so basically just hang out and chill and relax and get to know people a bit more Um, and Cajun was one of those folks and we got talking we were driving to a supermarket to get such things as ice cream because it was nice weather and we were talking, I was saying about we do the podcast and um, we were chatting and I said, oh, what's, what's your story? When did you come out? And, and the story came out that they came out twice because one was a, a lesbian uh, as a youngster. And then latterly in the last year or two, um, they had come out as non-binary. And I was fascinated by that because as much as I have met a couple of other non-binary people in a choir situation so when the pronouns are put on your, your chest I never had quality of conversation with somebody so I thought this was a fascinating story a fascinating enthusiastic wonderful person and as such I'd like to introduce you now to Cajun so welcome Cajun welcome to the Rainbow Umbrella Group it's great to see you again you're looking well thank you thank you so are you after oh, a good summer you. absolutely so maybe if we can start with just saying how did you end up in the UK um yeah how did I end up in Scotland I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify that because I feel very much like it's about being in Scotland (laughs) I never thought I would be in the UK I never thought I would leave South Africa I was never one of those people who said oh I can't deal with this the crime the politics the you know, I always my attitude to people like that was, well, then fine, go. I'm staying because I'm making something here. And, I, you know, I believe in this amazing country and um, and I still do. Um, so how did I find myself in Scotland? Um, well, 
the end of my marriage, I suppose, my, my wife and I separated and we worked together, lived together, did everything together, owned everything together. Well, maybe she owned everything. And um, so I was kind of starting from scratch. And my mum my lives up here in Findhorn. And she said, well, why don't you come and stay with me while you figure out what you're going to do? Um, and it was really the community that brought me here um, because I... I, I I knew about it. I'd been to visit, and it was it was more a sense of when I got here, I I landed, and I just knew that this is home, which was quite a shock because I never thought anywhere other than South Africa would be home. It yeah. is a magical place, isn't it? It's a beautiful place, and we've had Chris on before, who speaks very fondly of. of oh, brilliant! So, um, and and it's somewhere that you know, I'm on the hunt for my next community, and it's somewhere that obviously, as you know, it's. Uh, somewhere that I'm very intrigued by. So, of course, finding Findhorn enabled you to, to work out that's where you want to be and home. And and I believe you've started a new role as well there. So do you want to share a little bit about that too? I I have, I can, yes. Um, there's So an, another part of what helped me to land here was, you know, coming to the community and also that there is a, there is a, a local Steiner school, Waldorf school, and I went to a Waldorf school in South Africa and a very much have a kind of deep appreciation and love for Waldorf education and I ended up getting a job there five years ago um, taking over the after school club which I've been running for five years I in that space of time also came to realize that I really wanted to know more about how to do what I was doing and um, it had also been a dream a long time ago to do my teacher training but it wasn't possible so now at the tender age of like in my early 40s I undertook to do my teacher training and have ju- and just finished it during lockdown actually um, and I've now taken on a class so I'm I'm now officially a class teacher. Oh congratulations and, and can you just explain a little bit about the Steiner school and, and and you know your understanding of what it is in case some of our listeners don't know what it is? Yeah well, Steiner in a nutshell it's I suppose it's Steiner schools in the UK are independent schools Um, there maybe around the world a lot of them are independent schools Um, Steiner education is an alternative education that's been around for just over 100 years the first Waldorf school opened in 1919 I think it was 2019 we had 100 years Waldorf education there are over a thousand schools worldwide I, my answer to that was used to be it's a it's a much more it's a holistic system of education. It's really looking at the child as a human being, and not just educating the intellect and the academic side, but doing everything through a sort of physical, emotional, and intellectual lens. Um, it's a lot of experiential learning. Um, and you know some things that we do are quite different like as a class teacher now taking my class those children will be with me for the next eight years so the class and the teacher stay together Um, and yeah everything that you learn a lot of learning happens where you you do something first you experience something first and then you learn how it works or why it works, the kind of academic side afterwards. So I, I remember even science lessons in high school, we would do an experiment and then we would go home and sleep on it and come in the next morning and be asked, what did you see? What did you observe? What do you think happened there? 
and then it was really only after we'd go, gone through that process of observation and a very kind of tactile so looking touching smelling tasting I remember even doing that with chemicals obviously only safe ones but and we create our own books so we don't have textbooks so the children every day will write up their own observations or their own recollection of whatever they learned the day before whatever they experienced the day before or heard it may be in the form of a story if it's history and then write that down and illustrate it and at the end of the main lesson it's called the main lesson um so we we instead of having subject lessons throughout the year we'll do a main lesson block of three or four weeks long so maybe roman history or geology or certain forms of maths um and you do that every day in the morning for three or four weeks and you create your own book at the end by the end of it um so those are the some of the things that are a bit different and you can tell pupils who've come out of a out of a world of education because there is a, a real sense of self and sense of place in the world and sense of identity um I've had people meet me years even decades after being at school who gone did you go to Waldorf school because they can just tell so yeah that's in a nutshell I guess it sounds a fascinating education system doesn't it and do they do state exams or you don't do state exams with this? Again, it depends on, on where you are, where you are in the world and what the requirements are. Um, most of the Steiner schools in the UK do either do the children access some form of exams at the end or they uh, there are some alternative kind of school finishing qualifications that one can do. The school that I'm at is a is a we have no exams. So all the way through, um, there are no exams and no tests, really. But we are our upper school is now starting to adopt something that's being um, was piloted in a few schools uh, a few years ago called ACTS which is a form of assessment, but it involves a lot of self-assessment, a lot of project work, a lot of reflective work, a lot of not being assessed just on what your knowledge is or what your memory is of something that you've learned, but, you know, what are your problem-solving skills and um, critical thinking skills and and all kinds of different areas. So that's going to be really interesting, um, and that will be completely optional for pupils in the upper school so they can decide if they want to do that and then have this kind of certificate at the end that they can go to a university and say here is my qualification can I have entrance or or not and then there are definitely pupils who've left the school who've gone to a university and been able to get in on the basis of saying you know this is who I am and this is what I've done and this is what I've learned even if I didn't do a test and get a, a certificate with a grade on it. There's a list somewhere, there's a website somewhere with a list of uh, well-known ex-graduates of Waldorf schools with everything from, I think, the ex-Prime Minister of Norway to Jennifer Aniston and a few musicians. And Sounds a phenomenal philosophy and it may be a great way to, to bring youngsters up today, isn't it? So it's, uh, yeah, and it's 100 years old. And it's 100 years old, yeah. So when we met, um, which was basically... Um, I, I, as I explained in the beginning, um, we, we met at Unity, but then after Unity, we hung out with a group of us as a sort of post-festival sort of let's breathe situation. And we hung out in our vans and obviously got chatting to Cajun then. You are the first person I've met 
uh, that I've spent any length of time with um, that is non-binary. And therefore, I'd really appreciate if that's okay for maybe, we, we touched on obviously coming out stories and stuff, um, but would, would you care to share something about that and how it came about? try and think where to start or how I told you the story or maybe you might need to ask me some questions along the way or I suppose we one of the things that we touched on in talking about doing this was that I I, I kind of said to you in the car and I never really said that to anyone before that I came out twice um, you know because I came out as a proud lesbian when I was uh, much younger actually to be fair I didn't initially feel that I was a lesbian I was I I kind of just I actually I asked someone if they were gay I studied drama and there was a guy in our drama college and everyone said oh he's gay and I, and I so I went up to him one day feeling very brave and I said oh is it true are you gay and he said I'll answer the question for you but tell me first are you and I was like oh oh you know what I think I might be and I'd never ever considered that before um and then on processing that very much kind of decided, well, I, I think that people are people and we fall in love for people, not their packaging, you know, not their sex or gender or uh, just for human beings. Um, so initially when I kind of came out, I was like, well, I'm, I suppose I probably used the word, I did use the words bisexual, um, which is interesting because now it's such a thing, isn't it? For, you know, bisexual uh, identities and recognition and stuff seems to be, quite far behind everything else that we've that we've achieved in the last few decades so I try not go around in too many circles and lose all the threads because they're just so many interesting directions we could go but I my first lover was very 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 jealous and she was jealous of anyone that I spent any time with and in a way it became easier to identify as lesbian because then I could still have male friends and she wasn't threatened by them which was bizarre but I was you know 18 years old and then I came out of school and I and I and I made other friends and I discovered queer culture and lesbian culture and I got adopted by some older wiser lesbians who who took me under their wing and took care of me and I you know took me to clubs and I joined the pride march organizing committee I ended up being the chair of the pride march organizing committee a few years ago I worked for a lesbian magazine I ran a lesbian nightclub with two other people um, so very much my identity was in that and I you know and I was a proud lesbian and I was an activist and I I was involved in all kinds of things I remember sitting in a meeting once in a very rural area with a group of people who worked in government and healthcare, where we were coming as an LGBT organization and educating them you know and and having to answer questions from uh, conservative African men, like how do lesbians have sex and things like that, you know, and it was, it was um, mind blowing. Um, but that was my, that was my world. And, and I, and I found a security and I found community in that. And I found, I went to my first pride March when I was, yeah, probably about 18, 19 years old. And I was like, Oh my God, there's like 7,000 other people out there like me, you know, and that was, that was amazing. So I guess that was my journey with my sexuality. My journey with my gender is a different journey. Um, it was definitely started much younger, you know, when I was, I'm, I clearly remember it already when I was around nine or 10, I very much um, f felt more like a boy than a girl. 
Uh, I was definitely more comfortable in boys' clothes. I definitely wasn't comfortable in dresses and skirts. They're useless for climbing trees and you feel very exposed and vulnerable with all that like wind flapping up your skirt. And then, and I, and I was very boyish. I was very tomboyish and I had uh, very short hair. And I remember one of like the most amazing moments that I was so proud of was when I was about 11, getting kicked out of the ladies toilet by a woman who was like, now young man, you are far too old to be coming in here. You really need to start going to the men's room. And I was like, oh, cool. She really thinks I'm a boy. And I went out the door and I went in the other door to the men's toilet. And I was like, oh my God the smells and the sights and the everything it was just I kind of stumbled backwards out the door and I was like there is no place for me where you know where where do I go I'll 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 just have to keep going to the girl's toilet and I'll have to be a girl because I I can't you know I, I hit puberty and all these things started happening to my body and I was like there is no I can't there's nothing I can do about this I I may not be this in my head but in my physical body this is what is happening to me and of course you know we're talking about late 1980s there was the world was a very different place in terms of possibility or even being able to envision any any other possibilities and um so I had a lot of I suppose now one would say dysphoria about my body growing up in adolescence um and that was also probably caught up in the fact that I was a um, a survivor of abuse. So, you know, that was also like very caught up in not wanting to be physically seen or touched or, uh, you know, so I, I hid myself and my body very much. And um, you might have to put a trigger warning in your intro or something. I think there's better ways to call it, but, and yeah, I, so as a young person I'd had a boy's name I'd been adamant people don't use my birth name and I'd given myself a boy's name and then when I hit really hit puberty around 13 or 14 I was like well that's not going to happen but there's no way I can go back to being called my birth name because I was so adamant that people weren't allowed to call me that I'd be like you know in my head I, at the time I was thinking well it would be it would be stepping back but on another level there's also I obviously really wasn't comfortable with it so I picked my name which I only realized about five or six years ago that I picked a completely gender neutral name and I hadn't done that intentionally. There wasn't even a thing about gender neutral names, really. It was just that I, yeah, I picked a new name for myself and I saw some waving. Yes. at this. Hi, Kate. Um, so it sounds like both stories, you're very alone in those stories. Did you have support around you, um, family or anybody saying you can't do this or you can do this or you can be whoever you like how did that work? yeah that's that's a good question I think and because for young people it is so important to have support and and I'm kind of that's been part of my kind of the second coming out now which has really been much more recent as non-binary queer person being sort of more out although I've been out my whole life, but we can get into that, was was more that yeah, yeah, young people need that. And there wasn't a lot. There was a teacher in my school who was gay and he, he, he lent me a few books. He sort of, he gave everyone in the class a book. He chose a book for each child to read. He was a language teacher. So, um, and, but he definitely very clearly selected the books that he selected for me. He wouldn't have given them to anyone else in the class. And he also got, gave me a cassette tape, which had the Indigo Girls on it began a, a lifelong love relationship with the indigo girls and everything you know 
um, that's evolved out of that. And uh, yeah, they saw me through some dark times as a teenager, that's for sure. And as, and as an adult, Um, but he wasn't out for sure. Nobody ever spoke about the fact that he was gay, but we all, I mean, I certainly knew he was gay. But no, it wasn't a safe space, uh, really. And it's not that it was an unsafe space. I mean, I think it's something that I really like about the education system that I went through is 100 years ago, Waldorf schools were kind of one of the first schools in the world to have boys and girls in the same class and also learning the same lessons. So we all did handwork. We all did woodwork. Um, things weren't really differentiated on the basis of sex, but still it was, you know, it was a long time ago in that homosexuality wasn't even really legal in South Africa until 1994 with the, you know, with the new constitution and all of that. So, and my first um, lover who I spoke about earlier was a parent at the school. Um, So that probably was more of an issue um then the fact that she was a woman and I and I was allowed to take a woman to our kind of equivalent of a high school dance but there was also I remember being called in by two male teachers and sat down and said look you know your partner came to came to visit you at school and and uh, and uh, you, you you know it's not really people aren't really company it's not really okay and she was sitting with you in the light and I said but we were just sitting we weren't kissing or doing anything we were just sitting together next to each other in the library and he said yeah but it's how you were sitting you know okay. so um and and the other experience that I had was um I when I was much younger, I had told my uh, class teacher that I w- was being molested uh, by my father and also made her promise not to tell anyone. Um, and uh, and she didn't, you know, which nowadays I know it's like you absolutely can't do. Maybe she did, but if she did, it certainly, ne- you know, it was done quietly. Years later, when I um, was with my first partner, I went to the same teacher because she was uh, my mentor um, on a project. And I told her that I had, you know, kissed a woman and um, and also not to tell anyone. But I needed to talk. I needed someone to talk to about it. And firstly, she gave me a lecture, something along the lines of when you when there's something that you really, really want, but you shouldn't have it, then you, you should just not look at it or go anywhere near it like if you eat too much cake and you shouldn't be having cake then like don't have cake anywhere in your environment you know like stay as far away from it as you can because the more time you spend with it the more you're going to want it right and feed that um that attraction um and then also within less than a week i she had not only told obviously the rest of the teachers but um, a teacher of much younger children who I used to spend a lot of time with when I was in school, because even then I, I got on well, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with the younger kids who had told her parents. So the children had been told they weren't allowed to play with me. And one of the parents went and told my mother that I was a lesbian and having an affair with a, a woman at the school. So that the message that I got from that was like, you know, here's this one thing and you you keep the secret, which really not really should have been dealt with and here is this other thing where there is absolutely nothing wrong with me and yet it got you know yeah and that's and that's your trust in adults then you know that's yeah and 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 just sense of what is okay and not okay in the world and yet and yet I still 
I still was out and proud and I was okay with who I was. And I was like, this is who I am. And this is who I'm, I, I, I was never in the closet. I, I never hid anything about my, um, my sexuality. I, I, you know, it was like my CV would have things in it, like that I had been the co-chair of the pride March organizing committee, things that people would, I mean, nowadays my CV is so long. I know that you have to edit it for the specific audience that you're handing it to. But it used to have everything. There was just everything. I was completely open book. And and part of that was maybe me and my personality. And part of that was also being, you know, young. We just, I don't know, consequences are different and things are different when we're young. And uh, thank goodness. Otherwise, nothing in the world would change, I guess. Um, but there was something that shift that was different for me coming here, which is strange because in a way you have far more rights and freedoms here and far more privilege than anyone in South Africa, even a kind of middle-class white person like myself. And yet I felt more afraid of being out, even, even, uh, even as, you know, even as being gay, even, and I, some of that was kind of because I'm in a school environment and I don't know, are the rules different? There is all this stuff around safeguarding and all these beautiful laws and stuff that are in place to protect children. But I, I didn't know where to get the information of what will be okay, what won't be okay. Uh, you know, people are still, schools, is, particularly people are still reeling with the, the kind of aftermath of, um, is it Proposition 8? Yes. Yeah. Um, and a big part of that had to do with teachers not being allowed to teach about homosexuality and also not really being allowed to be gay because by being gay, somehow you're a danger to children. Mm -hmm. So it was like, well, now I'm working with children and could that be taken away if I'm kind of out in any way? And, and, all, and also there's, I'm, I'm older and I don't, I don't need to wave a flag and go, look at me, everyone. I'm, you know, I'm all of these things, which, which I did when I was younger maybe because I needed to and maybe because I thought everyone around me needed to change and the only way to do that was to by picking up all of these labels I'm, I'm not really big on labels actually I'd, I'd rather just be me human being maybe with a cool name that I picked for myself and Cajun do you find now in a school environment are kids more likely to approach you when they know that you know you're LGBTQIA where, where you know where where they you they know you'll understand what's happening with them or will they seek advice from you yeah it's a good question I can't answer that question really for myself because it hasn't happened to me yet I mean I do I, I mainly have been working with much younger like four to six year olds mm -hmm. you know um I think I I have had one or two interesting conversations with um upper school children when I when I was um, supporting the upper school with some things I have had teachers and adults come to me um, and I had a lot of conversations with other teachers um, I, I was recently part of a, a, um, a group kind of a study group with somebody who is writing uh, doing research on LGBTQ teachers um, and specifically I was part of a trans and non-binary teachers uh, research group which was just for a couple of hours we got together on zoom last week and and it was it was amazing and really to hear their stories and so I know I know it's important yeah I guess that's why I'm kind of wanting to be more not necessarily vocal but more just authentically who I am more visibly more visible as to, as to who I, who I am in order to that that space be there 
yeah, I, I, who knows what might happen in the future. Um, I'm certainly sitting with now this kind of thing of being non-binary, which is really only came up in the last few years and, and was much harder coming out as non-binary than it was ever coming out um, the first time. And a lot of that was kind of fear-based. And some of that was, well, I've been this and I've been adamant about this and now I'm going to tell people that I'm something else. But actually it's realizing I'm not. It's just that I, I found that there are new ways of looking at things now that are, that are just better labels, I guess, if it's about labels for what I have always been. So, Cajun, I suppose for non-binary, it's important to know a person's pronouns. Is it okay to ask what their pronouns are? It's better to ask, I guess. It's better to ask someone's pronouns. And, and in a way, in order to not make it a thing, it's better to ask everyone their pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it and it is not always going to go like when I first started hearing about non-binary or other gender identities other than just the kind of binary male female. Um, I um, I met a trans woman, and one of the first things I did was wanting to be like really respectful and lovely. Was I said, and what you know, what what are your pronouns? And she got really offended and really upset. She was like, "Do you think I would have spent this amount of time and effort and money to go through this if I didn't want to be called she?" Yeah. Um, so that was like the only opportunity I had for years to ask anyone their pronouns, and it went really badly. <laughs> and can um, I ask what your pronouns are, occasion? So I I I use they them pronouns. Um, and that in itself was an interesting journey because when I first started looking at pronouns, there are lots of really interesting pronouns. And in a way, they was challenging for me because I kind of had to relook at my picture of the English language. Yes. And yet picking something made up, if there'd been like one new word that everybody was using, that would have been easier. But there's so many different pronouns and for me, they just felt easier because in a way, I guess, because I felt like it would feel easier for other people to get used to. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of, I suppose, bending to that. Um, and yet equally, I've had conversations with people who find it really challenging because people can get really fixed on their understanding of what they, them yeah. is. And I think myself and Becky, when we were talking about your story, and, and we were really, it was like, no, they, them. And we had to really go back and correct something we've been trained throughout our school years on grammar and adjectives and where to put them and how to use them. So it is a retraining exercise on the brain as well. Yeah. Although in a way, if if they are pronouns for some non-binary people, not all non-binary people use they, them pronouns. Um, but it's, you know, if you're using she pronouns for me, then you're, you're not following what you learned at school. Cause what you learned at school is you call someone who's a girl, she, and I'm not. So, yes. Yeah. And cause what I stumbled over as well, because of grammar being drilled into me, you know, do you use the singular with they, which sounds very weird. So instead of, so is they, instead of, are they, um, or should we still use the are they? Because the whole purpose is actually it is the ambiguity and, and you just want to be a human being. And it's irrelevant as to whether it's nobody else's business in terms of whether it's he, she or they. I was just saying that's where I tripped over. So what's your take on that? 
So that, you know, what you've expressed about the, yeah, I choose to use pronoun, they, them pronouns um, and my attitude around being non-binary in general um, is very much what I expressed to you that you were referring to about that it's, I, I don't really think it should be anyone's, it shouldn't matter whether I'm, you know, male or female or something else. It, it shouldn't matter. It's just like it shouldn't matter if I'm a miss or a missus. You know, if I apply for a new cell phone contract, why why should my sex matter? Um, and so for me, kind of the non-binary identity and using non-binary pronouns um, feeds into that as well. It becomes that it doesn't matter. But for some people, that's not necessarily that they're saying, I don't want anyone to think to care whether I'm male or female, or it doesn't matter. It's like, I actually, I'm not, I'm neither of those things, but I am, I do have a gender identity and that is not binary. So it's a different gender, you know, and there's lots of other gender identities. And for some people that's very much, that is, that is their gender identity and that's what they identify with. So it's not, I don't want to have a gender identity or I don't think gender identity is important, but I'm very clear on what my gender identity is. It's just not mass. It's just not, you know, man or woman. Mm-hmm. And Cajun, what assumptions do people make on non-binary people? Oh, that is an interesting question. I, I don't know that I can answer that. I don't know what are they, can I know what assumptions people have made about me? I don't know very many non-binary people mm-hmm. in real life. Um, and I don't know what pe- assumptions people have made about me. Okay. Because... Yeah, I haven't had that many conversations with people, I guess, about my, I've only really been very publicly out about my identity, gender identity for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because I wrote my dissertation on, for my teach training on gender identity in schools, in in, uh, Steinitz schools specifically. But uh, when I got to the end of that, I was like, yeah, I really can't just be keeping this in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sat down at school and on the first day of term and introduced myself to the faculty and I uh, said, I'm, my name's Cajun because we had new members of staff. So we were just going around and saying, hi, who I am. So my name's Cajun and I'm non-binary and I use they, them pronouns. And then I breathed and then I carried on and, you know, that was, that was it. But I haven't had that conversation with my parents and I haven't had that conversation with my class, um, mm-hmm. but I am figuring out how to do that this year. Okay. Because in school, will they call you by your name anyway? They'll call you. They do actually. Yes, so I'm. I'm lucky that we don't have a. I don't oh. have a. Um, uh, well, anyway, I would then I would be mix, not Miss or Mrs. Mm-hmm. or Mister. Yeah, and I think I was talking to Becky about it about you actually last week, and she mentioned MX, and I I, I was filling in a form just straight afterwards. I was buying something online, and I was like there's mx i'd never seen it before and right. i was like i'm putting in mx <laughs> so right. um, shout out to whoever you were was that your washing machine <laughs> you know actually but it was a diy place i was buying some diy stuff online which got delivered today as well but um, yeah but i was just i just hadn't you don't see it a lot and i'm going to no, you don't, pay but... for it more because i don't think it's everywhere and i think it should be so yeah it's definitely not everywhere and uh and even when it is some places it still doesn't 
like I think there even is a way to do it when you're with the when you I'm trying to remember now with the NHS but actually I mean I understand with the NHS there is also a need to know your physical characteristics that you were born with because that will have medical impact and you know I think there is space to put something else but then nobody notices that or refers to you by that it's like even with name I think I I put my so my birth name is still my dead name Mm -hmm. which is the term that we used to refer to the name I was born with that I don't use um and but then it says what you know what you are called and so I put Cajun there and for years they still never use that name okay Um, yeah so I'll get mail and things sent in my birth name Mm mm-hmm all right. And your passport and everything else is in. The, the yeah, unfortunately, it's interesting. I was actually looking at all this stuff again the other day. So I'm I'm German. I have a German passport. And in Germany, you can't frivolously or for whatever reason you want to change your first name. You can change mm-hmm. your, your surname if you get married or you have a very clear reason for changing your surname, changing your first name. Uh, you know, if I were transgender and I'd gone through transition and I could prove that I was in another gender, maybe I could change my name. Um, but I can't just change my first name. So I still have my birth name on my passport. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, Germany is one of the first and only countries in the world where you can have a different gender identity on your passport. Um, so, and your birth certificate, and that is aimed at people who are intersex. Mm-hmm. So you can have, originally it was, you could either, instead of being M or F on your passport, you could have uh, not, have it left blank for no gender. And then there was kind of lobbied and now there's been another law that you could have X. So you can have X in your passport instead of M or F, um, but you have to be intersex. But obviously people who are intersex now who don't have that can apply to have that changed on their mm-hmm. passport. And I think some non-binary people have been, with the help of sympathetic doctors using that to get their gender markers changed on their passport. But with all of that happening, it kind of gives me hope that eventually it will actually be easy enough to just self-identify as non-binary and have my gender changed and also have my name changed. And there was a part of me that was thinking, maybe I should just try, maybe I should just try and apply and see if I can get through German bureaucracy. Good luck Um, (laughs) of all countries. Yeah. Very efficient. Um, yeah. Cajun, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today and sharing your stories. Um, it's really helped me understand a lot more about non-binary. I obviously had to do a lot of reading in advance um, because I, it, 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 it was just something I could never get my head around and understand. But it, thank you um, for educating me. I really appreciate it. Um, and it was lovely to see. It would be lovely to hear how you're how you're getting on in a year's time with your your new job in the school and the kids and your name change <laughs> with your German passport. Yeah. yeah, thank you. It's been it's been really great. And I and I'm really glad that it made, you know, both of you go and read things and look at things. And because that's all that's needed. You, you kind of asked me earlier, I think maybe before we started around what it is that we can do. And I say we because I'm in the same boat. I'm still learning all of these things as well. But it is about educating ourselves. And, you know, as a non-binary person, as a queer person like you as well as a whatever way you identify, you know, um, 
uh, we're willing to answer questions when people come with authentic questions. And then there is also an element of go and there's lots of stuff. There's lots of great YouTube yeah. YouTubers who've got who, you know, are blogging about their lives and 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 there's lots of material to read and and uh, a lot of it is actually good or certainly informative if you if you put the time in and then come and ask me questions yes. you know <laughs> yeah I agree absolutely because I've had some odd questions asked in the past but like you said it was uh I and again I'd love to hear more about your magazine and your club so we have to get you back on because I want to know what was the name of the magazine you you ran woman with a y Okay, very good. And yeah. is that in South Africa or Ireland? Yeah, or it was in South Africa. It doesn't okay. exist anymore, unfortunately. Oh. We ran for about two or three years. It was very, very sexy, very new, very like nothing like it. It was nothing like uh, Diva. It was very kind of beautiful fashion editorials mm-hmm. and um, yeah, a bit of everything, a bit of everything. It was well, beautiful. I want to hear more about the magazine yeah. and the, the lesbian club in South Africa also. Yeah sexy lounge you've too many stories we have to get you back <laughs> uh, absolutely welcome yeah thanks again Cajun and um it was lovely to talk to you yeah thank you I love Cajun's story they have such an interesting background like Cajun's done everything she's like being the editor of a, a lesbian magazine how cool is that um Ran a lesbian nightclub, uh, yes, and a teacher, um, camper van and like yourself, all around the camper van. And just a really, really nice story and really honest about their story. So phenomenal. Um, and they also spent time, obviously, with government officials talking about things, which I thought that was phenomenal in that yeah. sort of uh, environment. You think of it being quite a conservative country. So the fact those forums exist so that people can be educated is really interesting too. Even learning about, as I say, the, the, the type of education. And I could tell, not just because Cajun was from a different society, if you like, a different country, uh, but just their aura, their self-confidence, their interest. Oh, and that's, that was the beautiful thing. Their interest in, in nature. One evening, uh, Cajun sat there just twiddling some wood and I ended up with a little mushroom and a little owl and it's just like it was a bit scary the great big knives that came out but you know (laughs) how wonderful and that day they were leaving to go off to teach forest school um so it's just it's just seems somebody who's obviously a journey going on but equally very very happy to do the things that they choose to do in the way that they want to do it um so if phenomenal yeah and just a disclaimer everybody you know we and our and our guests are speaking about their own experiences and not speaking for the entire community as well we just want people to enjoy the podcast and learn as much as they can from the podcast because we are educating ourselves as we go along all the time as we talk to more and more guests um which is it's been a lovely journey i i have to say i've enjoyed it yeah, it's been really informative today and yeah. lots of as as we said you know just doing a bit of research beforehand there's a lot of content out there if you want to find out more you know it it's there it exists people are putting their personal stories up mm-hmm. for others to learn from it so yeah really 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 interesting and let's all use mx as much as we feel comfortable oh, to do yeah <laughs> you know yeah 
I do have a book. Um, it's look, it's a romance. Okay, it's a lesbian yeah. romance, and yeah. it's called "Who'd Have Thought" by G. Benson. Okay, and it look, it's it's romance, whatever. What I what I found interesting was, you know, when you read the reviews, somebody's giving out on the reviews, and they're saying, "Has anyone noticed the incorrect use of personal adjectives right from the start in this book?" With with expressions like she took their head, she blew away their bangs and a lot more. At first, I thought I was reading correctly. And then the mistakes continued. Now, somebody came back and responded to her. They're not mistakes. It's intentional. Continue to read the book, which I just thought was an ideal book to recommend based on our conversation today with Cajun, because I suppose we are going to start seeing a lot more of adjectives being used this way in books, we will think it's incorrect because that's how we've been taught in school. Um, And it's important to realize, no, this is correct. And this is how, for some books and for some people, this is how, this is their pronouns. These are their adjectives. So, yeah. You must respect that. So, no, brilliant, brilliant idea to have a look at that. Becky, have an amazing trip again as you go Mm. off on another one. enjoy your holidays or your one big life holiday uh great to see you you're looking fantastic uh occasion thank you so much great great talk great talking to you today and our listeners thank you for tuning in bye-bye bye